People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Ahoy! Right, hope you all had a great week. It's me, Solway. And it's me, Finchy McFinch. Uh, no Andy today, by popular demand. Popular demand! <laughs> so, no, Andy's off uh, being Where's Wally somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, Where's Wally, it's his, uh, it's his new part of a yeah. show, isn't it? Yeah, that we're introducing of uh, Where is Andy this week. Uh, he'll be posting up a picture on uh, the Hangout. Um, and also, it'll be also on the new newsletters that you will be receiving to uh, those on Patreon. Um, just a little bit of a trivia for him out there, and uh, guessing where Andy is this week. You get free clues and you get a picture, and uh, let's find out where we can find Wally. I mean, Andy. <laughs> so we couldn't call him that now, aren't we? Andy Wally Macker. Andy Wally Macker, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, look out for that coming soon. Obviously, the blog's going to be up and I'm get, I've got a week off in... Um, October, I think it is. So I'm hoping to get the website and the blog and shit running in, in October. So, right today we've got some very strange stories for you. Right, well, we've got a mixture, haven't we? Really, yeah, absolutely different animals. Um... So let me give you the first story then, and see how you find this. The house has been witness to its fair share of history, having been built over five centuries ago, in 1485, by Sir William Martin. Right. The house stayed in the Martin family for over four generations, until 1891 when it was sold to Alfred Carty Lafontaine. He set about restoring the house and its gra- to its grand past. He also had the formal gardens created, which are still there to be seen to this day. The gardens are quite nice as well, they've got like these pyramid shaped um, like conifer edges. Alright. It's like 12 on it, it's really weird. Quite posh. Yeah, it's cool. In 1957, the house was bought by Robert Victor Cook, who in 1966 passed Atalantum Hall onto his son, Sir Robert Cook, MP. The current owners of the house, Patrick and his wife, Andrea, Sir Robert's son and daughter-in-law. Okay, and they've had strange comings on, which I'll get into in a minute. Atalantum was considered to be one of the most haunted houses in England, and it played host to Living TV's Most Haunted Crew for one of their first ever episodes. One report stands out at this location, a pair of duelists in the Great Chamber. One day, a woman was trying to relax and read a book in the Great Hall, when two unknown men burst into the chamber in the middle of a sword fight. The woman continually pulled the bell, uh, the rope for the servant, you know, the servant bell. Yeah. But nobody arrived. She turned to her side and carried on reading while the fight continued until one of the men cut the arm of the other and the other left the room. Oh dear. Later that day, the woman reported the incident to the owner and she replied puzzled at the whole thing. She said, I can't understand who the men were you've seen as all of our guests in the hotel were here at tea. So, how could you have seen them? Still to this day, two men have never been identified, although the house is believed to have have connections to the Royalists during the Civil War. 
The wine cellar adjoins the Great Hall, and it is said to experience tra- tappings from a ghost known as Cooper. Uh, and this Cooper, by the way, was a Cooper. He was, that's what he was. All oh, right, he was yeah. A barrel maker. Um, various owners, staffs, and guests at Atalantum Hall have all seen what can be described as the Grey Lady. The current owner, Mr. Robert Cook, has reported seeing her in the early hours passing through the walls in the bedroom. The dark apparition that looks like a monk has been seen by the housemaids in broad daylight. The woman became aware of the footsteps behind her in one of the corridors and she quickly turned to see the monk standing outside the bathroom door. Well, that's not unusual for well, a Well, yeah, that's nice. It is believed that the person was a Catholic priest who was the priest to the Martin family. Okay, and then to, obviously the one that we're, well, I'm mainly focusing on is the Martin's monkey. Yes. Okay, so the ghost of the monkey can be heard in the hall. Okay, the house was originally built by the Martin family, whose family crest was a monkey sitting on a tree stump, and some people say uh, an excited monkey uh, sitting on a tree stump. Well, I'll, I'll leave that to the imagination for now. <laughs> uh, and their motto was, "He who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at them." Anyway, the Martins were like an eccentric family. They always did have an ape in the yep. premises, right? And this ape was free to roam around wherever it wanted. Now, the story goes like this. The tragic story, I should say, goes like this. The ape had the freedom of the house and could wander as it chose. One of the daughters of the Martin family was unhappy after a love affair and determined to kill herself. She climbed the hidden stairs to the secret room. The ape followed her, unobserved. The poor girl put an end to her life, no doubt feeling the total world was against her. But she was not alone. The ape was with her. The ape watched her kill herself. The ape also watched her bolt the door from the inside. But he didn't know how to open the door. Right, so by the time the family found the girl in this secret room, she had starved to death. Uh, the monkey had starved to death. Okay, so now the monkey, the ghost of the monkey, can be heard scratching at the panel in a secret room in an internal frantic attempt to escape. Ooh. But that's a story. Um, the the son have gone with a slightly different version of this a story. Different twinge on this one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And this is it. Spank the monkey. The ghost of a masturbating ape haunts the hallway of a, gr- a grand estate in Dorset. The ghost of a randy monkey haunts the hall in the grand English country estate, where romantic spooky hunters flock to tie the knot. There's weddings there yeah, now. Right? Yeah. Tintillated tourists can often hear the saucy spectre laughing while masturbating in Atalantum Hall in Dorset. And the spooky venue even has soul-searching couples clamouring to have their wedding held there in the hope of having a pervy primate appear in the background of their pictures. A little bit extra to the wedding, this one. I can't imagine there's anyone who goes there even knows that story. <laughs> just going for that. They certainly don't go just, you know... <laughs> actually, I'm going to say that, but there is one bloke here who did go for that reason. 
The lovable apes, afterlife antics, have been have helped the hall to be named one of the most haunted houses in England, and it was on We Buy Any Home a list of nine ghostly properties. Um, let me get to the bit where this... There we go, look. One tourist, dad of three, John Morris, son, 41 from Derby, who took the entire family to the estate in the hopes of seeing the spanky spook. <laughs> Spanking spook. <laughs> of course he did. He said, we heard about Martin the monkey, who haunts the house and loves to scratch his prima- pri- privates while swinging. We didn't see him, which is a shame. Oh, no. Because it would have been a real sign. <laughs> it would have been. Now, if you want to see a monkey, right, playing with itself, just go to a zoo. Well, yeah, yeah. Because that's all they do. All they do, yeah. Either sticking the fingers in their ass or... Jumping on the cars and sticking or, the fingers or, in their ass. Yeah. Wank, yeah. Dirty buggers. Now, there's um, a clip of Derek Okora from... Um, oh, Most no. Who, oh. Now, he has a different take on what the monkey did. He said the monkey didn't didn't um, starve to death in there. He had the free, he had the the free will to move around. It could have moved around and all this. And uh, anyway, he's got a different take on it, and it's it on generally uh, does, doesn't he? Yeah, I'll put the video up. <clears throat> that is the spanking um, spank the monkey. Shall I? Uh, shall I go through one of mine? Shall I get one of mine out of the yeah. way? Yeah, yeah. I've got a uh, one about a family film. Pet dogs, ghost roaming the house and exercising other poltergeists. Okay. Yeah, so, here we go. A, uh, a family claimed to have caught the ghost of their dead dog on camera and say he exercised the house of other poltergeists. Exercises in get rid or exercises Well, well, in... yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is, it seems to be the case. like he was, like, training them up. Well, well, <laughs> well we don't know. <laughs> That's a bit that, different, but, yeah, something else could be. But, no, um... Truck driver Barry Kennedy and his partner Christine, uh, both 39, lost their family pet Mutley after he was put to sleep aged 18. So quite a good age for a dog, that. 18. Um, Yeah, they did lose him, yeah. Um, The couple claimed their house in Lancashire had been previously haunted by the ghost of an old man. Daughters 13 and 10 were left frightened to death after an eerie apparition appeared at the foot of Bethany's bed. The couple also claim have been scratched by demonic forces. So this sounds like, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, you know, deep stuff going mm. on here. But astonishingly, the family now claim the, the ghouls have been exercised by their cherished pets. Two months after Mutley passed on, Mr. Kennedy decided to get out his camera after spotting mysterious floating orbs near the pooch's favourite spot in the house. In addition to the peculiar sight, he claims he could also smell wet dog and also began recording to see what the camera would pick up. So there's a bit of a scent around the room, you know, he's picking up on it, he's seeing these orbs around, you know, yeah. probably, I don't know, he's, I think he's, this he's makes bed or something. Kind of a little bit of sense. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, right. To, uh, so, uh, yes, to his astonishment, he says the ghost of Mutley can be clearly seen in footage. Now, I won't say clearly seen. Right, so that's, no. that's yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say that, otherwise you think, well, yeah, well, the dog's alive still. But, no, it's... Um, a translucent image appears from the left of the screen heading right, which Mr. Kennedy resembles Mutley's front legs and face walking across the screen. He said, I was taking pictures of the kids in the kitchen when I noticed strange orbs on the pictures. At the same time, we got all, we always got sm- uh, the, the smell of wet dog. One day, I just stood in the kitchen calling his name, taking pictures, and it happened again. 
where his basket used to be. Ah, so it's is is where his basket, you know, his his bed was in the kitchen, calling his name and oh, hey, I'll take some pictures. I'm I'm getting something here. So that's a picture of a dog there. Um, I'll stick it on the hangout if you were uh, really want to see the picture of a dog. Well, you you could have yeah, you'd have thought so. I thought it was silly at one at first, but once I saw it with my own eyes, I realised it was simply it was simply wasn't dust or anything like that. You can see his footstep on the floor as he moves past the camera and the shape of his head. People have said it could be smoke, but smoke rises. It doesn't move around so quickly like that. Well, yeah, smoke does rise if there's no wind, I suppose, but um, you never know with a bit of a breeze, but hey oh. But yeah, then you have to introduce the smoke somewhere, I suppose. Yeah, if I, if I if I thought it was smoke, I would never have shared it online, and we got a lot of backlash from Andy it. Would. Well, yeah, and yeah, Andy would. She had a lamppost once. <laughs> well, yeah, she had a lamp. <laughs> yeah, mysterious light in the background. Andy, it's a lamppost. Oh, oh. <laughs> Anyhow, um, still si- have it. <laughs> still will have it though. Since being posted online, the clip has been viewed and shared hundreds and thousands of times. With a couple receiving abuse amid claims it's fake. Mister Kennedy added, "We got so much hassle from sharing the video online, such as messages from people saying it was fake and so on. I just regretted doing it all." In spite of it all, he says, after capturing Mutley's ghost, they have had no trouble with the other paranormal force forces in the house. He said the feeling was quite nice. And, you know, at the end of it, his dog come back to see him. Hmm. So the the dog died and scared away all the, the other ghosts that lived in the house. Yeah, cleared, you know, hmm. cleared rid of them all in the house. Makes sense. Peaceful house and, well, there you go. You've still got the ghost of your dog, so it's there with you as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. Nice little story, that one. In fact, well, I mean, you know, if we die and, and animals die and we must, whatever it is that makes us ghosts, they must have the same process, so. Yeah, yeah. You'd say, wouldn't you? Now, this is a famous one. This is the bear of the Tower of London. Um, a little bit of propaganda entering here. What, that's what they say today. Like, they think this story was based on the fact that... Um, England versus Russia, the Russia, the bear, you know. Right, yeah. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Um, January 1816, okay, a sentry on guard uh, duty at the Tower of London was at the the, then the Jewel Tower, okay. Now it's called Martin's Tower. The bear appeared to be so real to the sentry that he lunged at it with his bayonet. Essentially, what he saw was a smoke billowing up from under this door. So that's right. how it started. So that is, this mist began to rise and then took the form of a bear. And obviously he, he was uh, panicked by this and thrust his bayonet into it. Yeah. And he, apparently they had to, two guys, it took two guys to pull that bay, that gun out, the, the uh, that bayonet out the door. All right. That's okay. how much force he put it in there with. And as he's thrust it into this bear, the bear has vanished. Now, you've got to remember that there was uh, animals held there Elephants, bears, stuff right? Like so, yeah. so it's not like the guy would have seen this bear and thought that's definitely a ghost because we don't have bears here. Yeah. They did have bears there, so it is. So it is like it, if he's seen it, you could have thought it was escaped. Well, bear. You thought, yeah, on the loose. Um, anyway, he he was taken immediately. He collapsed with shock, and he died a couple of days later. So that's that. And the, the there's an elephant that was housed there. There's loads of ghosts. Loads of sounds of the animals still being heard in the tower, but 
That's like the most famous one. Yeah, I suppose out of shock you'd turn and you would joust, you know. Yeah. No. That's that. So... Don't want a bear on the streets. The Pig of Plenty, then. Right? So this takes place on the Isle of Man. Isle of Man, you say, Lee? Yeah. Right, and it's normally seen on a on a moonlit night. Okay, it's like a full moon night. Yeah. So this this pig, which glows white, okay, and it's normally it's a sow followed by piglets. The the belief is that uh, back in the day, it, it there was a sow that starved to death. Yeah. Feed a piglet, she couldn't feed herself. She starved to death, and this is meant to be the pig. Now, for some reason, this ghost of this pig seen on these moonlit nights, and it glows with like a white glow. So it's obviously, you know. To all intents and purposes, you can see it and you know it's a ghost. Yeah. And if it crosses your path, it's meant to give you good luck. All right, okay. And bring you fortune. This is why they call it the Pig of Plenty. Yep. Um, no one really knows why that happens. It just just, it just happens. And I suppose you're lucky if you see it anyway. So yeah. maybe you're just yeah. a lucky person in general. But that is the Pig of Plenty, basically. It crosses your path. Crosses your path and brings you good luck. That's it. Wish well, we had a few more of them about. Well, imagine seeing a pig going along the hit. It's like a hill, it is, and it's followed by its piglets, and they're all glowing white. And yeah, glow. <laughs> I mean, it stands to reason that you're going to have um, ghosts of animals as well as you do ghosts of people, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. April sixteen twenty-six. During a bitterly cold spring. Sir Francis Bacon was driving through Pond Square, this is in Highgate, London, okay, on a horse-drawn carriage with his friend Dr. Witherbone, and they were discussing alternative methods of food preservation, other than salting, which was common at the time. Yeah. Perhaps the fact the day was so cold gave Bacon the idea that refrigeration could be used. Essentially, what, what had happened here, he'd had... He'd had a, a, a chicken, okay? Yeah. He'd had a chicken for dinner, and it was going. Yeah. Right? And back in them days, obviously, it didn't have refrigeration. And Nothing like chilled, this. So yeah. It, it was, at the end of the week, he picked this chicken up, and it was not very nice. He'd had it for his dinner. He had to eat it, because you had to eat, and he didn't like it. And he, then this is what got them discussing. You know, is there a way to preserve this? Could we, is there a way to preserve meat longer? So he's driving back in this carriage, it's snowing, and he gets the idea comes into his Brainstorm. Head, well, yeah, what if we put snow on it? So... He sends off for a chicken. Um, you know, with a bone, he's laughing his laughing his ass off about this. And this is never going to work. You know, chilling it down. <laughs> so he goes, sends off for a chicken, brings it back, plucks it, um, stuffs it with ice, stuffs like snowballs in it. Yeah. Takes yep. it back home and then watches it basically for a few days. And and obviously it did help. Yeah, preserved uh, it. A bit which longer, we know yeah. now, obviously. But the problem was. While carrying out this experiment, poor Mr. Bacon, Sir Bacon, caught a chill from running around in the snow and soon turned to pneumonia. Pneumonia. Pneumonia, that's the one. Can't fully say it. Pneumonia, yeah. So soon turned to pneumonia. On 9th of April, uh, 1626, he had died, right? And apparently he'd said it's as natural to be born, to die as it is to be born, which it is, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he was, married, he was buried at St. Michael's Church, St. Albans. But 
it is not Sir Francis's ghost that is seen around the pond in Highgate. All right. Right? Because soon after this occurrence took place, reports came in of a semi-plucked chicken that had been observed running in circles at the pond and had also been seen on the lower branches of a nearby tree. When anyone approached it, it simply vanished into thin air. During the Second World War, air raid wardens would often see the fowl. One of them even tried to capture it, but alas, it vanished through a wall and he got no way near it. About the same time, someone in Pond Square heard what sounded like an invisible coach and horses. The sound stopped and he saw a chicken, half its feathers gone, running round in circles. But he was no more successful than the air raid warden in catching the bird. The ghost was seen again in 1969 and 1970. But it's slowed down since then. Basically because Pond Square has been built on now, the pond's gone. It's um, you know, it's an housing development now. Yeah. But people still see to this day, they still see the chicken, but they also see a little boy. I think they call him Timmy now, and they seem to sort of um, play tricks on people together with a chicken. Yeah. The chicken. Yeah. yeah. So they'll see Timmy, and then they'll see the chicken running round. So chicken on the loose. It sounds like he's got away from the plucking, hasn't he? He's only well, half plucked. The thing is, the chicken was running around in circles. See that the the chicken that he used was a fresh chicken. Right, yeah. Live when he when he took it back there yep, to carry yep. out the experiment, so he would have beheaded it. Yeah, there on the spot and then plucked it. Well, he's only plucked it halfway, hasn't he? He hasn't done the full lot. Well, according to the reports, yeah, half job, Harry. But yep, yeah, that's the story of the, the Highgate chicken. Interesting, very so, interesting. Um, I've I've got one one little. But it's weird that the chicken comes back as the plucked chicken and not how it you know how it was in its prime. Well, yeah, because you expect a ghost to come back in its prime, don't you? If if so well, many... unless it unless oh no because he's kept it alive hasn't he so he's kept it alive and yeah. then so like you know like someone dies of an illness or whatever don't normally come back and sit at the end of your bed as that person with the illness do they <laughs> no they normally come back as like they're in the prime of life or whatever so the chicken comes back as a, a plucked chicken unless that was the most exciting thing that happened well yeah, was it headless did it say if it was headless headless yeah was it headless yeah headless half plucked chicken Basically, like a chicken you'd get out of the supermarket. <laughs> well, yeah, nowadays, yeah. Just running yeah. around in a circle. <laughs> well, could happen. Could happen. Could happen. Did happen. Well, it did, yeah, it did. Um, so, I've, I've got one. Um, so, some of you in America, you might know this story more than what we know it in the UK. Uh, David Berkowitz. Um, it's a story about him. Um, well, it's, it's a good account, really. Um, son of Sam. Shooter who was who was ki- who killed six was possessed by demon dog called Harvey. All right. So David Berkowitz terrorized uh, terrorized New York for an entire summer, but his bizarre explanation is examined in Netflix's Mindhunter. So they've put they've put a bit of a series about him on Netflix. Oh, right. Yeah. So they've, they've, you know they've made a bit of money out of Glorifying it as well. Yeah. Nonsense. For an entire year, New York was held in the grip of a terrifying threat. Serial killer David Berkowitz indiscriminately, indiscriminately, <laughs> travelled around his neighbourhood shooting at will. 
So he didn't really care, you know, he was, yeah, yeah. whoever he wanted, he, he, he shot. He killed six people and injured seven others um, after his killing spree in the summer of 1976 and 1977. Berkowitz was finally arrested in August 1977 after sending police and journalists on a series of bizarre notes sent to different officers. So he's trying to he's trying to trick them, you know, he's, he's, he's mocking them a bit. In them, he mocked officers and vowed to commit further atrocities because they were unable to capture him. So now he's bragging about it, you know. You can't get me, you can't get me. Anyhow, um, he dubbed himself the Son of Sam, a chilling nickname that stuck and came up with a truly bizarre motive for the attacks. Berkowitz claimed he he was possessed by a demon which had infested the body of his neighbourhood's dog, Harvey. The cold-blooded killer insisted he was simply following the demon's instructions. Harvey the dog, Berkowitz told police, belonged to his neighbour, Sam. So the son of Sam, you see where we're getting this from now. Makes sense. Berkowitz admitted in some of his chilling letters to the police that he was a monster, but that he was not in control. Okay. Makes sense, you know. You you've got a demon inside of you. You don't, yeah. you know, you're not well, in, you're, you're not in control. Yeah. In one twisted note, he said, "I am deeply hurt by you calling me a woman hater. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. When Father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family sometimes. He beats his family sometimes. He ties me up at the back of the house. Other times, he locks me in the garage. Sam loves Sam loves to drink blood." Go out and kill, commands Father Sam. Berkowitz had been adopted as a child by a Jewish couple, mm. and he had he had described himself as a tr- having a, tr- a troubled childhood. You know, he's had a, so well, yeah, he's had a bit of a rough past. Um, anyhow, he developed an obsession with starting fires in his uh, in his bizarre diary that he wrote, uh, which was found after his arrest. He claimed he'd almost started fifteen hundred fires in New York. So, you know, not only is he a killer, he's an arsonist as well. Um, His friends and family described him as a bully. Uh, His adoptive dad told him his birth mother had died when he was born, which was a lie. She hadn't, you know, so his his dad told him, his his adoptive dad had told him that. Um, He managed to find his birth mother when he was discharged from the army, which he described as wonderful, but the lie coloured much of his life. Berkowitz said, looking in retrospect that characterised much of my life, I struggled with a lot of depression as a child and obsessions with death because I thought I deserved to die. Yeah, well, he would do, wouldn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, you would. Then, when he was still uh, when he was still only a teenager, his adoptive mother passed away. The pair had been extremely close and Berkowitz struggled to cope. He said, when you lose someone that, that you love, um, you know, you get that sense of mourning, which you do, mm. which you do. Uh, I tried to put it out of my mind. I was carrying a lot of guilt. I was carrying around a lot of shame that I deserved to be punished. I can't explain those things. Maybe I was angry at God. And then, well, my birth mother too as well. Of course, my adoptive mother too. You know I found it very difficult. By the mid-1970s, struggling with the fact that he was an illegitimate child, Berkowitz started committing a series of increasingly violent crimes. On Christmas Eve in 1975, he tried to commit his first murder, but it went very badly wrong. Using a hunting knife, Berkowitz stabbed two women. Tra- tragically, one has been has never been formally identified, while the other was called Michelle Foreman. 
She survived, but her injuries were ser- uh, serious, and Berkowitz was never su- suspected. And when the old pal from the army brought him in, a 40, .44 caliber bulldog gun for Berkowitz, it was the beginning of a sinister obsession. Berkowitz carried out his first murder in 1976. Two friends, Donna and Jody, were chatting in the car when Donna, Donna opened, and it opened the door. A menacing man appeared out of nowhere, and Donna was startled. It was Berkowitz, who pulled out his gun from a paper bag, bent down into the car and pulled the trigger. Donna was killed instantly, while Jody was shot in the leg. As quickly as he had appeared, Berkowitz fled. Jody survived, though. She could not describe a killer in any detail, so he's got away with it again. You know, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't identify it. I mean, there's, there's no CCTV about them days. But three months later, Berkowitz struck again, employ, em, employing an almost identical tactic to his first killing. Carl and Rosemary were again chatting when the vehicle exploded. Carl had been shot in the head and had a metal plate fitted to his skull. All oh, right, so Carl's, you know, Carl's still got out of this as well, although both of oh, both survived. Neither had seen their attacker, so once again he's got away with another two here. It's fucking lucky, don't it? Well, yeah, it is. Just a month later, Donna and Joanne were talking at the front porch of Joanne's home after they'd been to the cinema. The two teenagers saw a dark-haired man appearing out of the darkness in military fatigues. He started to ask them questions, but before he finished, he pulled out the gun and shot both victims once. Despite being shot in the neck... Donna's injuries were not life-threatening, so he's not very good. Well, he, he wasn't really good, was he, at his job? <laughs> well, at trying to kill someone here. But, he's however... He's trying to injure people, though, or... Well, this is a thing. He's only shooting them once. This is, this is the one that's... Joanna was with uh, Donna here. She was the one that's... Um, she'd been shot in the back, and she was left paralysed for life. Mm. So she's the one that's come out on, you know, the worst out of this. Berkowitz's next strike would lead to his second number of uh, to his second murder in January 1977. Christine and John were sitting in their car after a trip to a cinema. Uh, so when they was planning their night out, their car was struck by three gunshots. John desperately drove off and had suffered minor injuries, but Christine was uh, was been has been shot uh, twice. And died in hospital later on. So this is a first account of her, you know, the, the death. Her death was the first time police started to link the shootings. Less than two months later, Virginia, or well, I won't pronounce that name, Vosterjaiken, mm. was uh, walking home from college when Berkowitz again appeared out of nowhere. The 19-year-old, you tried to use her textbook as a shield, so he's tried, you know, battering, her in, battering him away, um, but. You know, he pulled the gun out and he shot her as well. She was killed on the spot. Police were now certain the shootings were linked and held press conference and a fever of fear gripped the city. So, yeah, later on, I'm just going to skip to a bit later on now because it's, um, it's a lot of, now it's just a lot of drama back and forth between Berkowitz, he's on the run sort of thing. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to link, well, first of all, they're trying to link of, of who it was, but they soon find <coughs> out, hold on, we've got this bloke here, we think it's him. So they get him in, they get him in. So Berkowitz, um, Berkowitz comes in um, and he's, he said, you know, he's, he's, he's gone out and he's, he's, actually, <coughs> he's actually admitted it. You know, yeah. he's, he turned around and said, you must not forget Donna and you cannot let the people forget her either. She was a very, very sweet girl, but Sam's a thirsty lad. So Sam, you know, back to the son of yeah, Sam yeah. now. He's dog. a thirsty lad and he won't, and he won't let me stop killing him until he gets his full fill of blood. Please inform all the detectives working on slaying, working the slaying to remain. Please inform all the detectives working the case that I wish them the best of luck. Keep them digging. Drive on, 
think positive, get off your butts, knock on coffins, etc. Upon my capture, I promised to buy all the guys working the case a, pe a new pair of shoes. So this what this one's in is one of his letters. This was one of his teasing ones, you know. So you know, if you capture me, you know, I'll buy you all a, buy a new pair of shoes. If I, you wants know, capturing, but he, but but does he? Well, you pr he probably doesn't, yeah, does he? No. He probably doesn't. Um, he probably thinks he's he's better than. And he um, signed off a letter, son of Sam. Mm. So he's, he's sticking to his name. So uh, yeah, so I like that. Uh, you know, all right. He says this this dog's possessed with a demon. It's you know, it's telling him to do this and that. But he's not saying he's possessed, is he? No, no. He was uh, so when after he got captured, you know, he was he was examined by three medical professionals who deemed him competent to stand trial in May uh, nineteen seventy eight. Pleaded guilty to all the shooting, so he's you know he's held his hands up for this one. He he do you, you know. Do you think that's a setup though? I mean, do you think that they they pronounced because he's clearly he's clearly he's got to be like psychotic or something, hasn't he? Well, so yeah, he's tapped and he's but they've tapped. said they've said he's not. Basically, so he's fit to stand trial. Well, yeah, that's um, got to be a fill up, that, isn't it? That's got to be that's got to be where they've said, like, we'll just go with this and say that he's all right, so he can get executed. Saying that, though, when back in them days, I mean, they they never really, you know. Now, well, no, now the change is coming. Tested, well, not not to know. Yeah, yeah. He, he shot all them people. You should, you know. But hey, uh he was jailed for twenty five years for each murder. So basically, he's in there for his rest of his life. Yeah. Um, all to be served consecutively and has been in prison, prison ever since. He is described as a model inmate, mm. but has refused to ask for his release at any of his parole hearings. Well, he's not going to get released, is he, really? Looking not. at that, you, you'd hope not. But yeah, um, so... Did they get the dog? The dog, yeah. So the, the dog, the dog next door. You know, that's what he's going off. Did he's they called. Go and get the dog. The demon dog. No, the police, police didn't touch it. You know, they didn't touch the dog next door. They didn't. Didn't, didn't um, you call it as a witness? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There'd been a little bit of owling, maybe. <laughs> but um, no, it was in. in you tell know. them what you tell me, you bastard. Tell them. Well, <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, so that's a bit of an interesting one. Yeah, you know. So well, you know, I mean, you get demonic. Yeah, they want. Well, it's not necessarily just blood. You know, they want pain. They want. Yeah. They want anger out there. It's um. Yeah, it's a good one. That one. I I, I did like reading that through that one. It's uh. And I suppose you guys in America as well listening. I suppose you know a little bit more on it as well. I don't you know, like but... when they glorify these fuckers, though. I don't like when they make series about them and that. Yeah. Films about. Them. I think it ruins the original story. I don't like the story. I think that they should never be um. Should never be like the Titanic. I never. I don't think they should never have done a film about the Titanic. It should be forgot about. It, you know, it went wrong. Uh, just forget about it. Move on. Yeah, they're digitizing stuff now. Though. They yeah, want to relive this fucking shit. Well, I don't know. I suppose. Like him, why do we want to know what he did? Because all that does is give people ideas and and, and people who. Well, yeah, fantasize yeah, that's true. That's shit. true. Yeah, it's true. You do what hear you about more shootings like, nowadays. Like, so. um, I want to see like um, more. Documentaries about prisoners that have been beat the shit out of, and that. I mean, that'd be better, do <laughs> not it? Than than watching that. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, each to their own. <laughs> now we take time to to thank our Patreon supporters. Yes, yes, we've got um, we've got we've got had a few uh, Patreons this week added to the uh, old Patreon. Rusty, yeah, yeah. We've um, we've had uh, Simon, Simon. Thank you very much, Simon. I think he joined the medium tier. He joined the medium one. Yep. He's, oh, he's middle middle stage, middle stage. But thank you very much, Simon, for that. 
Uh, we've also got Eddie as well. Eddie, thank you very much for joining Patreon. Joining at the private... The paranormal investigator, paranormal investigator yeah. stage, the tier one yeah. into it's a paranormal investigator stage. Uh, thank you very much, Eddie. We've also got Georgie who's joined us. Thank you, Georgie. Uh, Georgie, she loves investigating. She loves investigating, she loves does she? Loves ah, it. all over the place she is. All all ah, right. Well, there we go. Bit like Andy. Bit Andy, like Andy. Yeah, yeah, but where like is Wally? Him. Where is Wally? We don't know. And uh, also, thank you to Matt as well. Thank you for joining Patreon. He joins at the. Paranormal Investigator Paranormal yep. Investigator as well. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Matt. But all entered into the hat for the yes. uh, Linda Godfrey book, When Andy Finds It. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's ongoing for a little bit. So I, I think we'll we'll give it another... What's the date? It's the 3rd of October. So we'll give it probably to uh, 20th of October, something like that. Yeah, because I've another shout yeah, for After so, we've done our paranormal investigation so ourselves. If anybody joins Patreon, if anyone's on Patreon now, they're obviously automatically entered into it. If anybody joins Patreon between now and then, they'll get entered into it. And if anyone uh, buys a t shirt or yeah. makes a donation or any of that uh, usual stuff, then they'll obviously be entered into that competition as well. Those that are uh, also new to the pa- uh, Patreon and also those that are already signed up to our Patreon, um, you guys are going get, to be getting more stuff come through now. Um, we'll be we'll be sending some emails off to you. We've got some newsletters that we're sending out, a um, little bit of an update as to what's going on in our lives, but also what's coming up on the show. Um, so we've got the new, new newsletters coming out. Uh, we've also got a few... Things planned, haven't we? We've mentioned. Fell out with a lollipop man. Well, yeah, you fell out with a lollipop man this week. We can also add that in. That's a bit of a funny story. Not really. Um, Well, not for Lee, but it was. It will be for you, listeners, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, we've got new things coming. Um, We've got more investigations. Andy's going out everywhere at the moment, uh, getting lost out there. So I think at the end of the day, it'll be you'll be finding where's Wally. We will be finding him as well because we don't know where he's going either. So is this going to be like? um... Um, a, a famous place. Well, yeah. Well, well, with Andy, we don't know. You know, yeah. it could be anywhere. It could be his back garden, for all we know. I don't know if any of you know his back garden very well, but no, I think he's um, he's but got we're going to different sites, isn't he? Clues yeah, where they'll be able to pinpoint. I think it's more free. A little bit investigation. Yeah, clues as to sort of um, you know, trivia to around that place mm. um, as to what. I don't, know, I don't know if it's villages or towns he's going to. He's uh, he's keeping very quiet on it. You know, he's keeping us in the, you know quiet out the loop as well on this one. So it's very interesting to see. Uh, that'll be going up on the hangout. The pictures on there, and also they'll be put uh, put into the newsletter as well. Mm. So those that are on Patreon will get a quick heads up of it. Yeah, and I'll put that uh, video of Derek Akora talking about that monkey on the hangout as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, shall I end on this Loch Ness? Yeah, let's go for the Loch Ness one. Oh, okay. This is from Sunday Sport. Um, those who know the Sunday Sport, get ready for this. I had sex with a Loch Ness monster. <laughs> okay, so experts claim last week that the Loch Ness monster was nothing more than a giant eel. But Maureen Evans reckons the boffins are talking a load of bollocks. Because she's been having a long-running affair with the creature, and he's been sucking his monster cock... <laughs> Every year for the last oh, Maureen. decade. Maureen, 37, from <laughs> Barmouth, North Wales. Uh, go figure. First met the monster when she went for an early morning swim while on holiday in Fort Augustine on the shores of the huge Scottish lake. She said it was 5am 
And I was skinny dipping. And that's oh, yeah. Face, like, no. Cena. Yeah. Sorry, Maureen, but no. Yeah, I'm glad it was 5 a.m., you know. <laughs> but anyway, she was skinny dipping in the lock when I felt something rubbing against my left boobie. Oh, yeah. It was a nice feeling, so I went with it. And it turned round and looked at, like a massive dinosaur caressing me. He communicated with me using telepathy, of course. Yep. And said that he found me very arousing. And I said I fancied him too. (laughs) His very presence was intoxicating. It was a mass of pure sexuality. Soon I felt his flipper touch my sensuous lady parts. And he had me at a climax. I returned the favour by holding my breath and going down on him. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> his semen tastes like Vinto. Fucking Vinto. Vinto, I thought she'd come oh. up with Iron Brew or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was no, fucking Vinto. <laughs> uh, since then, we've met up every year and done the same. Sadly, we can't have sex and our genitals aren't compatible. Well, that's a good... I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that. <laughs> okay, no. And, of course, he's too big. Oh, yeah. But I don't know what he is, but I know he's not an eel. So it's, it's John from the lodge next door, is it? Yeah. Preempting critics, Maureen said, insisted, this is not bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Well... Oh, that's a good one to end on that. That's shocking. Uh, that's shocking, Maureen. Maureen up to her dirty tricks. I wonder if she's on Tinder. Well, I don't know. It's, it's got to uh, be, actually. She can't have a partner, can she? I don't know. There's not many eels on Tinder, I don't think. No. Well. <laughs> Snakes, maybe. But Shocking. Yeah, so uh, the, lodge, the lodger next door's obviously popped into the lake at 5am and caught her by surprise. Yeah. Well... Tastes like Vimto, that's worrying. Tastes like Vimto, yeah. Summit wrong there. Get himself checked out. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's it for this week. So hopefully what we're planning on, if we see any good stories in the week, we're on about recording them. Yeah, yeah, some uh, little ones chucked on, on in as the, well. On yeah. the hop. So yeah, we'll chuck them up as and when we find them, basically. Yeah, we're trying to get a couple of uh, just little shows in, aren't we? Just trying yeah. to chuck, chuck them in there midweek. A bit of midweek boost. Yeah. So, until next time, have a great week, and we will see you on the other side. Bye for now. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back.